Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and I am super, super pumped to bring two lovely ladies back to the show. We are doing part two. Today, I'm speaking with Katie Van Horn and Jackie Clayton. And part one, a couple of episodes back, we were talking about the Work Human Conference. And I promised you that I would come back with part two after we attended the Work Human Conference in April in San Diego. And I can just tell you it was amazing and such a wonderful experience on so many levels. First of all, seeing these beautiful women who are on the show today, um, but also just the speakers and the content and where they went. And um, so we're going to talk through some of the highlights, what really jumped out of uh, out at us, what resonated, uh, what we were surprised about, all of the stuff. Who wants to start? Well, I want to start. I like what you said, I thought was really great. And of course, Something that was a little bit different. I tried, I, you know, as I'm a DEIB practitioner, but I tried, me and Katie kind of swapped where we could. It's like, you go to this one, see what you bring back and we can go to these other spaces because that happens. And I was really excited to see Esther Weinberg did something called Pivot Ready. And uh, there's been so many um, challenges, I think, that we've all kind of experienced in since you know, the beginning of time, but mostly within the last three years of being having to pivot, our companies having to pivot. And it was like, what can you do to be ready to pivot and be in that moment? And I thought one of the things that was really key, she said that possibility means seeing something for what it is and not what you prefer. Yeah. And I that was a life changing moment of, of seeing that like being able to see things as they are can help you be more pivot ready than and so I thought that was great and probably something a lesson that we should all yeah um, incorporate yeah that's fantastic I absolutely relate to that one what about you Katie um I, I'm like, I'm trying to like think and start at the top and so I was fortunate enough that the first action I, I was taking or the first thing that I did when we got there was I had a brain date, uh, which I think is just such a, a cool concept where you can put out a topic and folks can come and join you. And they have a little sitting area where you can just invite folks to come and talk about a topic that you're passionate about or that you want advice on or whatever it might be. And so I actually had a, um, a brain date just for, for newcomers, for folks that hadn't been to work human before. And it was so cool, you know, you know, obviously we've been there a few times now. And so it was just really cool to be able to speak to folks that had not been there before that, you know, were experiences for the first time and kind of see it through their eyes. And, you know, there was that hesitation of oh, what's going to happen next. You know, what, what do we do? Where should we go? And so we talked through some of those things and just some of the cool activities 
you know, outside of the speakers that go on of just that community that you're building and the way that you're really thinking about the intention of going and meeting folks that maybe you wouldn't normally meet and taking the time to create those uh, relationships. And, 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 you know, Jackie and I joke around because we met at Work Human. And, you know, I think that's one of those things where every time that you go to a table and sit down and grab food or, or get a snack or whatever, or, hey, I'm going to need to catch up on email real quick, you can meet such great folks. Um, two of the standout speakers for me, and, you know, I, I think uh, Cy Wakeman, I mean, I think she just always does a phenomenal job, but she really did a whole, her session on change management, basically, and I don't remember the title of it, but the concept was change management. And, you know, one of her slides said something along the lines of like, change management isn't something outside of your natural day job. And, or, you know, change is just something that's always constant and is always happening. And that one really like kind of hit me where I was like, yeah, I think everyone just has to be ready for change. And especially in the last few years, we've had to have such a, um, ability to constantly shift priorities, see where we need to go, where do we need to fill in gaps? Um, how do we need to just help this workforce in a different way that we maybe ever had in our career? Um, and then uh, the other one, of course, Eric Bailey, he was mm. phenomenal. And, you know, I just, everything about the way he presents is just so welcoming and so inclusive. And you just get so many nuggets throughout each one of his talks. I only saw the first one uh, because we had, a, I, I actually went to Cy, but during Eric's second session, <laughs> um, and, but those two were two that were phenomenal. And then I would also say kind of the after hours activities of um, it, Cy and Eric actually met for the first time in real life because they, you know, had both spoken at work human multiple times, but they were actually able to connect in real life. And, and that was kind of cool as well. And just being able to catch up with people, but also getting to meet folks that I had not met before. And that's, again, you know, we talk about that all the time that work human is such a place to meet folks and grow your network and just have other people that are dealing with the same stuff. And I'm going to stop talking now because I could <laughs> like another hour. Just on no, what I like. it's, I love, I, I went to, I think I went to Eric's second session because I had something else for the first one. And I loved Eric too. That was my first time actually getting him, uh, getting a chance to hear him mm. speak. But I think that way he really invites people in and also him talking about this work and how he wants to do it. And some of the ways he talks about even the way you word things, like when he was saying, when you're just saying bias training, you're already creating defensiveness and, and him really wanting to invite people in to have this conversation. I, I loved him. I think Katie, you heard the first day, um, Rashma Sojani. Yes. I was not, I didn't know she was like, I signed up, but I didn't know what I signed up for. I just said, Oh, it's right. the first opening one I'm signing up. Yes. And so for people who aren't um, familiar with Rashma, she has one company called Moms First that was actually developed in 2020 because of the pandemic. She didn't even want to start another company, but she said, I can't not like, I can't handle what's going on right now. And I feel so pulled um, to be able to do this. And then she also, um, has girls who code. I mm -hmm. was, she is a force to reckon with. I was hanging off every single word. And when you hear her talking and I haven't gotten any of her books, but I think she has two, if not three books, and I'm going to look into them the way she was talking about things. It was just so like, yes, yes, yes. Like, so why don't we get this? Like, why aren't we making these changes? So she was talking a lot about the fact that, um, she talked for sure when she was talking through the moms first, the fact 
that organizations, especially what was going on in the pandemic, how they were not supporting women and everything that they were experiencing. But some of the other things that she said that I really resonated with too, is the fact that she was saying how so often organizations do all these things, trying to help women understand how they need to fix themselves, how they need to do something differently, how be, you know, be more empowered, more advocating all of this kind of stuff, which I don't think it's an either or, but not enough of like, hello, like we have some very, very broken systems. What are we going to do to change that? And the way she talked about, it, and I think she does get to do a lot of lobbying. It felt more like, like really shaking things up. Like, let's stop talking about, like, we need to do these things. Like, let's just do it. Like, what is it going to look like? And she talked a lot about pay transparency, paid for family leave, childcare, even like, why are we making it so astronomical for people to even be able to do childcare? How are those? So it's like the mom is making a decision. It's like, well, if it's going to be this, then I might as well just stay home and not be at work because these astronomical charges. So I have to say just her spirit and the way she positioned it. I was like, okay, where's the organizations I'm right. going to fight with right now? <laughs> There's, I'm glad you said that. I mentioned, I put something on LinkedIn just a second ago that was like, you can't have it both ways. You can't ask people to bring themselves, their whole selves to work. If yeah. that means they have to change their whole self in order to work, like you have to be able to look at these things and the systems that perpetuate this discrimination. Um, I was looking at uh, a kindergarten teacher friend of mine who said that the kids are going to be so behind because they don't, they haven't developed the muscles to be able to write because during the pandemic, they weren't in preschool where they practiced picking up blocks. Majority of children will learn how to work with keyboards and doesn't use the same muscles, right? And it's like, dude, like you, you, we have to be able to build what's right. And in order to go to these schools now, you have to pay astronomical amounts of money. And yet we still have pay um, disparity. And it's like, you you can't have it both ways. And it really is going to take people making a move and stop talking about it. Like you yeah. said that she related to. And I, I wanna call out one other session just because I, I, I think it was also extremely impactful, at least for me. Um, Cam Ward, who uh, leads <clears throat> Black in Tech or Black Men in Tech, excuse me, um, and Misha Ann Martin have done some research and they were able to share some of the research that they did with black men who work in a technology role. And their research A was disheartening. Um, like it, it just, it was really a gut punch. Um, but it was also a, I'm so glad this conversation is happening and that people are able to hear this conversation. And I wish more people would get to hear it. Um, and we actually were able to have to have Misha Ann on our podcast, which was awesome. And you just saw like data and information that has never been talked about before about, you know, and, you know, what Jackie just mentioned, like how how authentic can black men be in the workplace? Not really. And, you know, the code switching that has to occur and all of the different challenges that um our black men go through and they are, and it's interesting. It was interesting to me because, you know, as you're talking about Rashma's talk and then talking about some of the data from the research that was done by Misha Ann Martin and uh, Cam Ward, it was very similar or some very interesting kind of red threads between all of it of, you know, you have black men supporting 
not just themselves, but a family or, you know, multiple generations of family, you had other things that were going on and, you know, how that impacts the day in and day out mental health, you know, is another issue that just is not talked about and has been, you know, historically kind of frowned upon in those communities. And it just was super, it just was amazing to just hear some of the data and know that this work is being done and how it will impact future workplaces. And so that for me was also just another one that was like, wow, like it, you know, you walked out of there and it was one of those, like, I need to go sit with this for a minute and think about what to do. Like it kind of like, for me, it was, you know, Rashma, it was like, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's go. And then the data, you know, that was shared, it was the, oh my goodness, we have so much work to do. So I will say, you know, it wasn't a gut punch for me. I'm always like, what are y'all people doing? What do you mean? Was it gut gut punch? What are you looking at that you thought and the Royal you thought that this was a great place? No, not just you, Katie, the Royal. And I like saying Royal because it's kind of feels fancy when I, (laughs) instead of saying all y'all, that sounds country when you say the Royal you, but it's like. This is the way I always think, how did you think this was going on? Like, because it goes back to all of those things. Like we already know, like if people aren't safe enough to, to um, like just wear their own hairstyle at work, then we know that people aren't, aren't able to fully be themselves. And what's disheartening, the part that's disheartening is to me was that it was a very small sample size. It was interesting information, but it was a small sample size. And so the gut punch happened when so many people, even though this was not taken, the data in the, in the survey was not put in a place from work and of work. The study was going to be confidential, but not anonymous, meaning there would be potential way to tie back the answers to the questions to the person who answered it, even though you'd have to really want to find out who this person is. And so because of that, the sample size was very small. And so from that, I always think, oh, the part that I get stuck on, and maybe it's because I'm a Black woman, it's like, okay, now we're asking the questions because we want to do something. And it's always disheartening to see that people are are not in environments where they feel safe enough to share all of the information so that we can build more systems and programs, you know, but they did bring something that was really interesting that come that came up that I think about quite often was having a black man in leadership and then having a white woman report to that black man, that white woman still has more power over the person who's a black man just because of the way that game is played. It has everything to do with internal politics and what we're willing to accept. Um, And he told a story about something being, people being afraid of him Mm. just for being a black man, even because he stood up during a meeting because he had to stretch or whatever. And those are the things that are like disheartening that I don't see. The data, I was, wasn't a shocker, but that those parts, when you talk about real stories, changes things from the data into a person. And so I think that part was pretty touching. Yeah. Yeah. I I was talking, I got a chance to talk to Misha Ann for quite a while as well. Um, I didn't get to go to her session, but she was talking about how excited and passionate she was that, that were these conversations are happening. There's more data to support it and her being able to share this research. And I think she has plans and goals to be doing a lot more of this, which is, is important. Um, 
One of the other people I'm curious around, Jackie, I know you were really excited to hear her speak when we talked in part one about Lovey. What did you think of Lovey's talk? And Jackie has frozen for a second. So I'm going to ask you, okay. Katie, first. <laughs> she has no thoughts on the matter. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Lovey was amazing. Uh, and I think, you know, when the call to action of let's all be professional troublemakers and the way that, and, you know, kind of what, what Jackie just said, the storytelling that comes with the way that she shares information and gets people fired up. It was another talk where it's okay, let's go do all the things that we need to do to, to change the workplace, to make it a, you know, a spot where folks can come up with ideas and can iterate and can do all of these things and I just thought she did a really great job of, you know, the whole concept of you know, not calling people out, but calling people in, but mm -hmm. also of being that great leader to say, I don't have all the answers, so I need you to check me. And, uh, you know, and, and saying that that's what she does with her team of, you know, I want you to say, hey, um, what what am I missing? And kind of that whole growth mindset and some of the things around psychological safety, how she's creating that in the spaces in her team and how we should also be doing that. That was also, I think, first of all, I love her. By the way, she's tiny. Yeah, she is. I did not realize how little tiny. she is, um, <laughs> but uh, the entire conversation or, you know, her, her talk, I thought was just absolutely phenomenal. She just did such a great job. And, um, I, you know, it just made me happy to hear her speak. Um, and then we were lucky enough to get to speak with her. Um, and then lastly, I think it's the asking the tough questions and making sure that, you know, she kind of gave the example of three different people in a meeting and how they react and are you the person that comes after the meeting and said oh I was going to say something I'm glad you did and what you should do instead or the person that is you know being asking the tough questions and how that should be handled and like it just was it was so good it was you know the whole idea of if you don't say something who will and don't expect someone else to speak up and if you feel a certain way don't always make it the one person in the room that's always the contrary person yes. be the speaker. Um, so like, I, again, like she just is phenomenal. So. Yeah. And tiny, like you yeah. said, she could yes. put in your pocket. I don't know if you talked about the micro appreciations, because I think that's where you're going, where she was talking about micro appreciations, where it's the person like in the Slack channel, that's like, Oh, I'm so glad that you said that, but didn't say anything in the meeting. Um, and I've been that person. I'm guilty of being that person before. Like, oh, I'm glad you brought that up because like I was too afraid to bring that up. Yeah. Um, now I'm like, for an opportunity to jump in. Oh, yeah. I'm just breaking up all over the place, aren't I? You are, but it's okay. We get we get it. And like, I, I think it is the, how do you, again, create those spaces where folks feel like they can speak up? And if you're not going to, who will? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I just thought it was, I mean, just very good lessons and it was such a power. I mean, I think she spoke for an hour and it was just powerful punch after powerful punch of like, here, here's how you can do that. And here's how you can be a, an ally. Here's how you can be an advocate, how you can really speak up and ask the, those tough questions. Yeah. And, and also like making sure it's not seen as 
you're a jerk for asking that question. It's like, oh no, we should really talk about that. And we should think about that. And so giving that space, um, the other one, and this is going back to Reshma and it just, I just was reminding of it. Uh, and this was more just a funny one. She, I don't even know how we got to Super Bowl commercials, but she said, you know, I want to see a, a Super Bowl commercial next year. That's Steph Curry and LeBron James doing laundry. Yeah. And that one that was just so like, I'm like, yes, like yeah. normalize that domestic tasks are everyone's role, not just you know, the, the female in the room or whatever. And so it, that was another one. And sorry, I, I know we were on lovey, but that one just, I was reminded of that one as well. I know I forgot about that one. That one was really, really good. And it, it reminded me too, because we, we forget about all of the emotional labor, these, all of the unpaid labor that people don't even think about the invisible labor that happens um, with all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, I really, um, I loved, I really, 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 really enjoyed Lovey and her energy. And, and the fact that she kept saying this message around being the professional troublemaker is about you being part of the change. Like it's about you being the change that you want to see in the world and stepping up in that way and having those daring and courageous conversations. And I, like you, Jackie really related. I'm sure I've been the one that's done it before too, but I can tell you so many times where they come up to me afterwards and say, thank you so much. Thanks for bringing it up. And I always say, yeah, yeah, no problem. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to, it's going to be a different dialogue because then I could be saying, yeah, you know what? I really appreciate you saying that, that you are glad that I brought it up, but I, you know, going forward, it's hard for me to be the only one that does that. I would love for you to be able to support and actually share something in the group setting as opposed to behind. Like, I think I will speak up in that way more than I would have in the past. I've never said to anybody after they said that, Thanks for letting me know. And going forward, I would love to see that support with when we're together in the group. Thanks for nothing. Just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, you do want to support and it also helps people with that feedback of sharing and being able to share more more things in these places. Because I think that that like you were talking about the unpaid labor, it happens on all levels. And there always seems to be a fear of um the one that's like publicly wrong, right? So we that means that we're cre not creating an environment where people can be their most innovative and safe to share all of these things. And so where would we be if people could go to work unafraid? Yeah. What would happen if we could go to work to, and actually be our true selves um, and feel safe or that we could say something that was different. Um, or when we started praising the person who asked a lot of questions instead of getting upset with the person who's asking a lot right. of questions, right. you know, because that happens a lot too. But I did love the professional troublemaker. I think I wanted that on a shirt. And I love that it did like a kid's book, you know, for these kids to learn about doing those things, because that's what it takes. I think it, we learn these lessons very early on, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. on, on our roles and knowing our, our, what we what we should say or what we should not say. And we just started seeing, I think in the last 10 years, more change in that direction. So I was glad yeah. for the reminder. Yeah, I really thought so too. What jumped out at you for from uh, Esther Perel? I love Esther. I hated Esther before and I love her now. I fully was like- Tell oh, us more, oh. Jackie, tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just like all of the, I think I was just so mad. She has a whole- 
thing about that she was talking about within the relationships. Um, and so some of her advice is pretty hardcore when it comes to like your personal relationships. And so it's probably something I needed to hear. And that's why I hated her. So there's that. But then when I started thinking about there's something that she said that really did all has always resonated with me that you look at your spouse or your partner to be everything. So you're looking at your partner to be your best friend, your most intimate lover, your confidant, you're like someone who takes care of you, all of these things. And that when something goes wrong, um, you're willing to give it all away. And that people are willing to get a divorce, not because they don't like their husband or they're not appreciative of their marriage. They just think they could do better. Right. And then crossing over to work about how work now has to be all of these things for people. We have to validate you. We're listening. We want you to be feel safe, like you belong. And then you want to look to for your social connection, for your political collection, for your volunteerism. Like where you expect your company to do all these things for you um, outside of the core job. Like a majority of the things you want your company to do for you has nothing to do with your personal production <laughs> at work. It's like, um, and, and it's changed. And it's like, how, what do we need to do in recognizing those pieces at work? I think was really eye-opening because it's true. Mm. Like we keep, we always are talking about connection and how do we connect and nobody's ever said why do we feel like we have to connect like you know again it's like are we supposed to be best friends are we supposed to just work together I don't think we figured out figured it out but I do think employees really depend a lot for their personal validation to come from work you know and those of us that are really stingy with feedback you know it makes it really hard like oh, if I don't say anything, then this person's going to feel upset and then look for another place to work. And then it's almost becomes disingenuous. Um, and how can you have real connection and where do you draw the line? I think that was really interesting. And I got very excited. I got to meet her and I gave her a hug. I didn't know what to do. I almost panicked. <laughs> I remember seeing that. <laughs> I know. She's, well, I like the connection that she's making for everything that she talked about personal relationships, because I think even when she came on the scene um, and I, she's been doing it for over 30 years as a therapist, yes. but really started to be out in the scene and, and um, getting worldwide acclaim. There were so many ways she was approaching things that I thought like, you know what, this really makes sense. And it's a conversation that we're not having. And it feels like she's now translating and bringing some of that into the workplace in terms of those conversations and even just naming stuff that's happening that it hadn't really been named. Yeah. So people are going for looking for their needs there. They're wanting to feel people, purpose and meaning. And the other thing that I really appreciated with her work as a therapist is her saying Oh, and by the way, people bring all of the trauma, little T or big T that they've experienced throughout yes. into the workplace. And I've always said, like, I know that part of my work is actually to help with healing. And, I, you know, I'm cognizant of saying that in the workplace because sometimes they're like, well, the workplace isn't about healing. Well, yeah, because it is like there's all this stuff and triggers that show up. It's an opportunity for people to learn and grow. Yet I don't think organizations are always aware of the fact that the human you can't just be like, oh, I, I'm just going to compartmentalize and put everything in a drawer and I'm going to leave it at home and I'm going to go to work and then we'll <laughs> pretend like none of that's happening and then I'll go back home. 
that's also not realistic. And if we, we think about from a mental health perspective as well, um, that's multifaceted as well with everything people, not just the pandemic, it was happening before the pandemic, but so many different things that people are experiencing. It's very intense. I, I agree. And there's something else that she did that I think was another life changer. Like it was another little aha moment is when I told her, I was like, oh, wow, you did really good. I don't know. Cause I was nervous. Like I told you, I was like fully about to have a panic attack as I'm embracing this like world renowned therapist. And she said, thank you so much for saying that. I love it when people say that I work really hard to give a good presentation. So when people give me positive feedback, that makes me feel really good. And I was like, I don't think I've ever said that to anyone that said, good job. I've either discredited myself or been like, oh yeah. But I mean, it's like, it was nice to hear that approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's something that stood with me that I didn't, that I don't think people on stage would have seen, but I thought that was really interesting and great that I'm going to try to incorporate in my day to day. Yeah, I agree. Did anything jump out for you, Katie? There, so the theme or, and I don't even know if she was trying to do this, but kind of what I heard around, you know, the relational intelligence, relational energy, and, you know, how crucial those are to creating a work environment where folks can actually drive innovation and be even better every single day. And so the, the, what kind of struck me when she was talking about those things, I'm like, it's, Emotional intelligence is what she's really talking about, but how to do that in relationships at work and relationships at home as well. But it's the, you know, how do we think about those interpersonal relationships and make sure that we're doing what we should and giving, um, giving out the right energy, giving out the right um, interactions so that we can actually, you know, have, you know, these complex things that are going on within work to make it okay and to make it something that people can be successful at. And it, it just was really fascinating to me. I, yeah, I am with Jackie. I think she is phenomenal. And I, you know, I've been fortunate to hear her a few times now. And I think every single time there's just a ton of things that you take from it and go, I can totally implement this in my life tomorrow and be a better human. So I love that you said that it's, it's like, and she's different. I mean, we've seen a lot of keynotes throughout the work humans history. Um, I think my first like hesitation was like, how is this relationship specialist right. going to have anything to do with work? Cause we don't have relationships at work. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God, Jackie, <laughs> like you need to see your therapist again. <laughs> like this is you. I keep seeing all these things where it's like, I am the problem. I think I should hang out and read Esther more um, because the stuff that she says is so clear. Mm-hmm. And it's so not complex. Like there's been other speakers where it's like, oh, I really get it. But you're asking me to reduce my ego. And I don't really know how to do that. Or you're asking me to be more vulnerable. And I'm not sure if I can buy into that. But to say, but I can fully understand, you can see yourself and others and a lot of the things that she's doing. And so I started looking into that a little bit more. I, I did also, I wanted to talk about, there was somebody who brought something up and it was called the Marvel model for DEI. Mm-hmm. Now so the Pixar person? The, no, it wasn't, it wasn't though. 
okay. they what they did, which was interesting. Now, the person who spoke, I can't remember the guy's name, but what he brought out that I thought was really interesting from a DEIB practice um, was taking the Marvel approach, meaning making sure everything has like a, um, a proof of concept, like you're working towards a similar goal throughout all of your different DEIB activities. And so that you can have a common thread throughout those versus Pixar, which it was like, all of these are individual, even though I subscribe to like the controversy of Pixar thinking that they all are related. So it was hard for me to connect. If you've only ever heard the conspiracy theories, I'm a Pixar conspiracy theorist. But I did think that was something that I wanted to come home immediately and implement. Like are all the things that we're doing, all the various activities, is there a common thread? Is there a goal that all of these are buying into? Are we doing them on an individual basis with no goal in mind, hoping that we get to those results? And so- that was something that I had never heard before um, expressed in that way, that it made me really reevaluate all of my programming and think differently, which is the goal, right? When we go to these things, we can go, wow, I need to look at this better. Wow. I, I need to make change. So that was, that was um, worth it for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. That, I didn't, I didn't see that session. Um, but I love when you have those takeaways. Like, I also feel like what you were saying to Katie around the emotional intelligence, I kept on seeing that theme over and over again. I heard, I saw also, I don't know if either of you saw, um, Simon, Simon Alexander Ong, he talked about energy and connected a lot about, um, emotions and it's, um, emotions and how that impacts and being in humility instead of ego. Claude Silver was there who her job title, which I love is the chief heart officer, um, and like, she's someone who, um, I mean, Gary V, like he completely, like she sold him on, she, she worked with him previously, was in marketing for a while and then thought that she was going to leave. And then he started saying, this is where I think the company's head. And she said, if I'm going to work, this is what I think it looks like. And she was very clear. She's not HR. She doesn't have an HR background, but she was really focused on what it looks like to create a humanized workplace and being able to constantly ask, like, even in terms of their measures, measures aren't just about business outcomes. Measures are about, like, how do the people feel? Do they feel like they're continuously getting to feel the purpose, the meaning, they're growing, they're evolving, which also reminds me of um, of um, uh, Cy Wakeman, who said the same thing. It's not about bringing your whole self to work, but also your more, your most evolved self to work. And she was talking about this more when people are like, well, I can't help it. Cause I'm, I'm just being my authentic self. And this is how my authentic self is. And she's like, Oh no, no, your authentic self doesn't get to go around yelling and screaming at people. Like to, that's not, we want an evolved self. So I felt the theme around the emotional intelligence was around there's just too much focus on IQ and technical skills and this business acumen, all that kind of stuff. Consistently, I heard with all of them. And I love with, with Chloe because she's doing it within the organization and their um, measures for the organization and where they're going. They're not just looking at the measures of business outcome and profit. They're looking at the measures from the humanity piece and using that as something that they're looking at every year and taking very seriously. And I think that says a lot about the organization and where they're going when they start to put that into effect. I love that. Yes. And I think that's one of the other pieces that Misha Ann Martin talked about during, you know, the, her talk 
is the their stories behind each of these numbers, their stories, and their these are real people that we're talking about. And it's how do we circle back to that humanity? How do we circle back to being able to use emotional intelligence, reading the room, whatever it might be to, you know, gauge what do people need in this moment and how can we best help or best support them? So that was, yeah, I, throughout the entire conference, it was, you know, I think what we previously have called like soft skills, but really it's just the, how to be a human and how to actually like interact human skills um, and how to interact, which works because it's work human, you know, but uh, but (laughs) how to actually like have those conversations that are real. And also the sign making one of the like, Hey, yeah, let's not weaponize like being your authentic self. Cause that I think is definitely happening or, or say, you know, Oh, I, I can't be my authentic self. Like how do we get to a place where everyone can be themselves, their most evolved self at work and, and actually create change that's positive. I feel like, you know, in counting the humanities, like you were saying is so key because for some reason, people keep getting this confusing of like, everybody has to be this one thing. Like remember Saturn way back in the day when like everybody was like a Saturn driver and they got special shirts and then everybody was like in this cult of this car and then it means you're like really cool or like Prius when everybody's like, oh, I've got a Prius. And so you made these huge assumptions about these people. And it's like, look, we have, we need People need to be able to feel safe and genuine. And it's funny, I think that we need a different word besides soft skills, because these are hard things to come together. It's not just being nice. It's like, how do you give real feedback in order for you to have growth? Like, how can you inspire people on their own? I mean, I and I feel like one of the other things that have played into that for so many years is that we want people to be passionate about the work that the CEO or founder is passionate about without saying, hey, where do you need to go? Like, let's figure out what you're good at here because then the passion comes later when you can see your successes and you will continue to grow and be successful. And then that just, it's amazing how people change. And again, this kind of like this tracks, right? That when you're getting the recognition for doing good work and you're able to like talk about those things and people like your work. And if not, you're, they're able to tell you exactly where, what change is needed um, from a work perspective, not a personal perspective Mm -hmm. that you can, you know, you become a better person, you become a better self, you become a better coworker, you become a better, you know, partner within inner departments and, and it's putting that together. And I think there seemed to be a push of changing, of trying to change who people are. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's what people are trying to do, trying yeah. to force and create this inauthentic, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That can't be the goal, right? Even if you think about the bigger vision and, and purpose of the company, each individual has their own personal purpose. It's getting them up in the morning and it's making them feel that sense of aliveness that they are contributing in whatever that way. It's something that I love to do with the leaders I work with because I'm working with the CEO right now. And he even recognized that it's so focused on outcomes, but not enough focused on like, what's my personal 
And, you know, he's getting into a stage that he realizes like in his twenties and thirties, he didn't really ask himself these questions. And now getting into mid to late forties, fifties, he's recognizing like there's something else that's driving this. And this is the place I want to work where I know I'm contributing to that. And it's something bigger than myself. And I think each individual, what that looks like is going to be different. And also them know it. And I also think what's really important. You said, Jackie is everyone is going to have their own gifts and talents. And when they're in that zone of genius and feeling that flow, I think the goal is to help each person figure out what that is for them, because then they're, first of all, from an organizational perspective, if we want to get into productivity and business outcomes, guess what? It's going to be Mm -hmm. higher because they're doing what they love to do, but they're also feeling that sense of fulfillment. They spend so much time at work every day. That's right. That's right. And I think that is part of it. And I think we're going to see, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of years as we're seeing more organizations push to um, bring people back in the office and seeing the resistance of forcing people to go. I mean, that's where it's like forcing people in boxes and cages um, where some people appreciate that, but seeing what happens overall for organizations that we can study where they've decided to go back into the office or the ones that decided not to go back in the in the office yeah. of being a complete person as well as the innovation that comes out of those environments should be could be interesting I think it's going to be interesting we don't know what's going on <laughs> right it's, it's the future of work is not it's an unknown exactly how it's all going to and also I wanted to say something to circle back with one of the other things you said around the recognition piece because work human is talking so much about recognition there was a stat that Eric Mosley said that really jumped out at me when he said um, 43% of this is through research that they've done with Gallup and they've done lots and lots of research. 43% of employees feel invisible in their workplaces. I mean, that's something that we need to pay close attention to. If people are feeling invisible, I think it circles back to what we were just saying. They're not feeling recognized. They're not feeling like that someone's recognizing their contribution and seeing their gifts and talents and what makes them unique. And this is an opportunity. I always like to see the possibilities. This is an opportunity for organizations to ask themselves, well, if, if what, what are we going to do differently to make sure that people are feeling recognized and seen and valued? Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's like, think about 43%, like 43% of your staff does not feel seen, like just letting that sink in for a minute and what like who like that I, you just start to go okay let's get 100 people together almost half of them don't feel seen here and what are we doing wrong because that's clearly that we are doing something wrong and we need to make some major changes so yeah i i did appreciate that there was so much of a call to action and let's go do the things it wasn't just here's data good luck yeah. It mm-hmm. was, and it was, and here's some ways that you can do this. So I think all of the speakers did a really nice job also of giving ideas of how you can do this differently. And, you know, I'll go back to Sai because she had templates that she literally was sharing of here's, here's the template to use to do this discussion. Here's the template to use to do that discussion. You can download them from my website or from, you know, I, I forget where it was or take a picture and copy it, you know, whatever you want to do. And so like each one of the speakers, I think they gave good information, but also good. How do we actually make this real in our organization tomorrow? Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's, that's right. what human conference does very effectively is create a space where you're learning a lot. There's lots of connection and community, but now you're taking this and putting it into practice and they're, um, they're curating speakers who are going to want to give back in that way and add value and be able to, um, make sure that that information is being shared. Um, so that you, again, you can actually take this and apply it. Like the goal is to like set everybody up, up for success here. And they did workshops this year, which was different. Yes. Yeah. It was yes. multiple hours where people could actually build something that they could take back. And I think that was great. I'd like to see that evolve even more on, on who gets selected to do those things. What types of things are going to be relevant in that space that you're willing to spend a number of hours of something that you really want to work on. Yeah. That's where I started. And I forgot to mention that it was the workshop about the pivoting. So that was probably why it was the most impactful. But that was something that was really great. That was a really positive change. Yeah. Ladies, I know that we could talk forever because we love uh, everything work human. And I'm so glad that we could connect again. Everybody who's been listening, I hope this has been really helpful for you. I can let you know that work human is happening again next year. It's in April. It's going to be in Austin. I hope to see you there. I will send more information in terms of a link to the website uh, to work human for anyone who's thinking about it next year. Or I would just suggest go check out the dates and make sure you put it on your calendar so that it's blocked off so that you get to this conference because um, you get to meet both these amazing Katie and Jackie in person and a whole bunch of other people. Jackie and Katie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Kristen, it's so good to see you. So I was, it was so nice to get to see them in person in April and do the in-person hugs. Uh, For everybody, wherever you are in the world, we're saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sending tons of love. Take care. Bye-bye. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.